Darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media. And the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now, the Hamilton Corner. Good evening. Welcome to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio. I am your host. Abraham Hamilton III, and you have made it to your on your way to the weekend edition of the program. So much is going on in the world. So much is going on even in our own communities. Uh, But let me remind you that what goes on in your house is still far more important, far more important than what goes on in the White House. Most of you, if not, well, I'll say many of you, if not most of you are transitioning right now from your part-time jobs where you generate an income to your full-time jobs. Your full-time job is where you cultivate an outcome. That full-time job consists of what you do when you head home. And I want to remind everybody that home is far more than a house. (laughs) Your house is a house, but home consists of the people that comprise your family. We remind you every single day that this is so critically important because the world has done an effective job in pushing people to prioritize and to place value on things outside of our homes. When all too often uh, we have an underestimation, we value too lowly the absolute treasure that God has afforded for us and graced us to steward uh, within our familial units. And as you're heading into Uh, The weekend, let me remind you and encourage you to make sure that one of the main things that is on your agenda for this weekend. No, no, it's not the soccer game. Yeah, yeah, I I, I know college football starts this weekend, uh, but that's not nearly as important as what I'm about. Yeah, yeah, I know NFL, NFL, NFL. I know I get it right. And I like sports. I like sports. I do like sports. But can I tell you what I like more than sports? What I actually love? I love the family of God. I love the household of faith. I love obeying the Lord's instruction to refuse to forsake or to neglect the assembling of the saints. Let it be a priority for you that you engage in and enjoy and you model for your family to gather with the saints for worship. Remember, we are not going to church because we are the church where we happen to gather for worship. If we do so inside of a building is just that a building where we gather for worship. The church the church consists of the people who are gathered where you gather whether you gather inside of a building or whether you gather beneath a tree, whether you gather uh, with no shade, you are gathering with with the saints. All right. We're going to go today to start the program in Acts chapter 20. So we're kind of rewinding a bit from where we were yesterday because we had gotten to where the apostle paul uh was in jerusalem he's ultimately arrested in in jerusalem we're going we're going backwards a little bit in history now to acts chapter 20 uh to where paul was just leaving ephesus and he heads to greece and there is a a nugget there for us and 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 it is a nugget of wisdom that i i pray uh encourages you 
uh, in the midst of the times that we are living in. Because once again, these are the times that God has ordained for us. We shouldn't be uh, lamenting the fact that we've been placed here, but we should offer ourselves afresh to the Lord that he may reap a harvest for himself uh, through us uh, as we seek to execute his commission, his great commission, and share the glorious gospel of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 20, we're going to go to verses 1 through 6. Acts chapter 20. Verses 1 through 6. And this is what the Lord's word says here. Verse 1. After the uproar ceased, then this is the uproar recorded in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus, where Paul was accused of uh, uh, propounding a worship mechanism that violated the Ephesian culture. It's amazing what, what the word of God contains. But verse 1 again. After the uproar in Ephesus ceased, Paul sent for the disciples. And after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews, you know, when we read this, my children say, again, daddy? I say, yeah. When a, when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him. And of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Tros. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days, we came to them at Tros, where we stayed for seven days. Now, I'm sharing this portion of scripture with you today because I want to highlight these people who are mentioned for us in scripture. Sopater, the Berean, the son of Pyrrhus, Aristarchus and Secundus, who the scripture describes as Thessalonians. Gaius of Derby and Timothy. Timothy was from right around that region with Lystra and Derby. And the Asians, again, not modern day Asia, the continent of Asia, but this is where modern day Turkey is. And the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. You have Sopater, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, Timothy, Tychicus, Trophimus. Now we know a little bit more about Timothy than we know about these other people because we have Paul's epistles that he penned to Timothy. But I wanted to mention these other people because, and I know within our, our, our American culture, uh, celebrity is really, is quite idolatrous. It's rampant that we find our favorites. And that kind of mindset has even seeped into the church. Very similar to when the Apostle Paul had to, to confront the Corinthians because some of them were identifying themselves with Paul and others were identifying themselves with Apollos and others were identifying themselves with Peter. And, 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 and Paul had to say, which one of them died for you? You know, if we were to be honest, we have a lot of people doing the same thing today. You know, many people uh, describe themselves with an affinity for a person, or even their favorite theologian, sometimes even more than they do with Jesus Christ. <laughs> But I'll, 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 I'll uh, leave that alone for a moment. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I wanted to mention these people because it's very easy for us to get into a mindset 
to where we can either give faint lip service or we can get into a mindset where we think that the things that the Lord did through the Apostle Paul, that the Apostle Paul was alone in doing them. <laughs> like Apostle Paul is rolling solo all throughout the whole world. You know, like he 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 took some kind of uh, get with it juice and he turned into an incredible Hulk and he's rolling all around the world by himself. And that's literally not not the case. Paul always had people helping him, people who aided him, people who accompanied him at every place. God saw fit to highlight the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul was not alone. I'm saying that because in our day, in our time, it's very easy often to point to the, the popular examples of heresy, for example, uh, the popular examples of people who mishandle, or as I say, do great violence to the word of God. But I want to make sure that no one who listens to this program forgets the reality that all over our country and all over the world, frankly, that God has anonymous soldiers of his that don't have much fanfare, that don't have large media platforms, mega media empires and things of that nature, but they are just going about doing the work of the ministry. One, because they love God and two, because they love people. They don't have, you know, the, the applause. They don't have most times they don't have the big bank accounts. They are just quietly, but consistently and faithfully going about the work of the ministry. I want to make sure that Hamilton corner listeners understand that. And even though we have some glaring popular examples of things that are not necessarily so good, we don't want to forget that there are lots of people quietly going about the work of the ministry many pastors that are laboring in smaller congregations and laboring in in not so populated areas and even some in heavily populated areas have small congregations because they 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 don't uh tickle the ears of men and they don't celebrate you know performance you know they don't have the smoke machines and all of that but they're just preaching the unadulterated word of god standing fast you have moms day in day out who are in, who have invested all of their talents and their gifts and their abilities into building the family that God has entrusted into their care. And, and they are raising and nurturing and cultivating disciples all over this country every single day. And I often say, cause my own wife reminds me of this all the time. Uh, when I, when I'm off from work and I leave my office, I come home, I'm reminded my wife never leaves her office. <laughs> and, and, and when we travel, her office is on the road with us. <laughs> And there are many of, of our women all around the world and in our own country who are faithfully serving the Lord as they edify and build and evangelize, catechize and disciple their children. We have brothers and sisters all over the world who, who are entrepreneurs and they they conduct their business as unto the Lord, that they utilize their occupations as a platform for them to propound the gospel. What I'm saying is that the news headlines don't capture all the news. <laughs> They don't. There are scores of people all over the country and all over the world that are doing what God has called them to do. And I think a lot of us are going to be shocked. We're going to be surprised when we meet Jesus face to face and we uh, are basking in his presence in the new Jerusalem that is descended uh, from above, coming down like a bride adorned for her bridegroom. We're going to be shocked. At how the rewards are dispensed and shocked at the testimonies that are shared uh, amongst 
the remnant who are uh, spending life in eternity with Jesus because it's very easy to be manipulated. And when I say manipulated, it's not like somebody standing on the corner trying to, you know, like a uh, snake oil salesman trying to get you to embrace some things that you don't want to embrace. I'm saying because of, you know, a, a, a cultural unanimity almost to where, you know, uh, psh, I mean, you ain't nothing unless you got a following, you know, even the social media, you know, how many followers do you have? You know, when most of the world ain't even on social media, you know, we have salt of the earth people, light of the world people who are quietly going about doing what God has called them to do because it is an overflow of who he has transformed them to be. And just like we have these guys, Sopater the Berean, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, Timothy, Tychicus, Trophimus, we don't know as much about them as we know about other people in the scripture. But what we do know is that the Lord highlighted them here to show, hey, these people were, were on Paul's team. These people helped Paul accomplish what the Lord accomplished through him. You know, these are a part, I've said before, you know, the church at Colossae, you know, it wasn't planted by the Apostle Paul. You have, Colo you have uh, I'm sorry, Epaphras mentioned in chapter one as being the one whom the Lord used to pioneer a church in Colossae. As Christ followers, we have to make sure that we, just like Romans 12 warns us, that we are not conformed to the world, that we don't ascribe merit and worth to a person just because of the size of the platform, that we don't ascribe merit and value because someone is known this much. We don't ascribe merit and value solely because someone has written X amount of books or this group of people uphold somebody else. We want to make sure that in the body of Christ, in the family of God, that we evaluate ourselves and we evaluate people the way that the Lord does. The Lord says he doesn't look at the outside like men do. He looks at the heart. And when he looks at the heart, he rewards according to what he finds there. And what I am telling you, you know, the, the, the evening news isn't capturing all the news. That there are scores of people who you may never know their names until you uh, enter into the, the eternal state. Um, who are quietly doing the work of the ministry because they've been captured by Christ. And I've said before, it's one thing for you to have a vision for your life. It's another thing when you've been captured by God's vision. When the heart of God and the love for God and the love of God saturates your life, it infects everything you are and everything that you do. So I just want to say to those who are quietly going about doing the work that the Lord has placed in your hands to do, I just want to let you know that I see you. But more importantly, the Lord sees you. Judy Goodell and her husband set up a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation. What we love about it is that it represents stewardship principles that we feel strongly about. So we got very, very excited about this opportunity. With a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation, an AFA supporter can guarantee a permanent monthly income, as well as supporting the American Family Association for years to come. We do feel convicted about really praying about all that God has really blessed us with. And so many people we know just want to leave it all to their kids. And we know the danger of that. And so we just are really just trying to pray through it. And God gave us great confirmation as we prayed 
that this would be a good use of the Lord's money. Find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or email foundation at afa.net. Hurricane Ida is one of the strongest hurricanes to hit Louisiana to date. Thousands are in need of hope and help, so 8 Days of Hope is headed to Louisiana to help them begin rebuilding their lives. If you're local to the area or if you can travel, you're very welcome to join. But if you can't do that, you're still able to help through your prayers and donations. To sign up as a volunteer or to donate, go to 8daysofhope.com. 8daysofhope.com. AFA Action Alerts. When you subscribe, we'll notify you once or twice a week about a critical issue facing our country. AFA Action Alerts have been very successful in influencing legislation, as well as getting positive results from America's Fortune 500 companies. Subscribe to your AFA Action Alerts today. Together, we are making a difference. Go to afa.net and click on the Resources tab. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to healthcare. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Shining light into the darkness, this is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio. I am so excited to have on the program with me uh, a man who I have respected for a long time. From a distance, I followed some of uh, some of his work. Uh, I am closely affiliated. What well, affiliated might not be the best word. I'm, I'm close with people who he works with. I am excited to welcome onto the program none other than Mr. Jeremy Dice, special counsel and litig- special special counsel for litigation and communications for First Liberty. Brother Jeremy, thank you for joining us here on the Hamilton Corner. It is my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, my friend. I am. I'm so glad to be here with you. Um, I, I so appreciate um, the work that you do and that First Liberty does. I, I appreciate being able to call on you guys when we when we've needed you for various things. And I, I'm so grateful that you guys are on the front line uh, contending as the largest uh, legal organization in the country focused on preserving our first freedoms, our first freedom, religious liberty. I've invited you onto the program. Because you and First Liberty are pioneering an effort to bring awareness to something. Uh, you probably don't know this, but I call him Mr. J. Robinette B. <laughs> that the Robinette administration is 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 behind. And that that is this effort to really accomplish a, a sort of a coup at the Supreme Court. Would you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about that? 
Yeah, look, there's a there's a lot of talk, especially in the last couple of days now, but this has been going on for a while, but they've given vent to this issue given the last decision, or I guess really non-decision, by the Supreme Court this week on the, the Texas uh, pro-life law, the heartbeat law, that, mm-hmm. that just uh, was put into effect. The left is going just crazy right now. Uh, in fact, you, you can find tweets by just about every progressive that's out there uh, saying that now we need to really take care of this problem because we've got this the so-called shadow docket that's out there that the justices are somehow nefariously plotting to take over the whatever. Uh, and, and they say in order to fix this, the only solution is to pack the court. Uh, and what mm. that means is just exactly how it sounds. We're going to add more people to the Supreme Court of the United States, more justices, in order to get a more equitable result, as they want to they call it. Uh, it, it, look, I, I think that issue is extremely dangerous. If we were to add to the court right now, what's the limiting principle on this? That, okay, Joe Biden gets to have four more seats to put on there to be able to balance out the court. So if or when he loses in 2024, the next person who occupies the office of the president, they get to add what, four more, 25 more, 60 more? How how far does this go? Do we, do we get as big as the uh, Star Wars Galactic Senate, uh, and all of a sudden we've got to have those crazy pods to float around in in order to do our arguments or something. I mean, it's just, there's really no limiting principle on this, and it's also wrong for our Republican democracy to be able to even consider this thing right now. In fact, we have no further to look than the President of the United States when he was the senator from Delaware, when he was in the Senate in, in talking on this issue, he called it, quote, a bonehead idea. And he's referring, of course, to JFK and his proposal that was a a complete and colossal failure to back the court. He called it a bonehead idea. It was a bonehead idea, and it is a bonehead idea today as well. And whether they want to pack the court at the Supreme Court level or do it at the lower levels, the effect is the same. Trying to get around the rule of law, the political uh, process, they, they, they have the White House, they have control of the House and the Senate, now they want to have control of the judiciary as well. The court, though, is not a political football, something to be tossed around and made subject to the whim and fancy of the political moment. It is something that we are instead to trust to apply the law and compare it to the Constitution to ensure that the laws are consistent with our Constitution that governs us. Mm. And just as you mentioned, and I've heard some of these quotes, and I actually have some audio to play later on in the program, uh, that this... Uh, the the Supreme Court's non-decision, as you rightly described it. I mean, I've heard people saying, oh, they've over overturned Roe. They, I mean, AOC said that. They've said all of these things. Like, wait a minute. No, they didn't. <laughs> they, they, they just simply uh, refused uh, to prohibit Texas's law from taking effect. That They didn't really even state anything about the merits or anything like that. Um, but it seems to me that this uh, heartbeat issue uh, from the state of Texas really is being used somewhat pretextually because I remember during the the run up to the November elections that there were conversations about court packing then. So uh, what really is it in, in your estimation is that that's animating this desire to pack the court? Yeah, look, you're exactly right. Right before the elections, this was a big issue. Well, why was that? Well, that was because Justice Ginsburg had passed away. There was an opening on the Supreme Court of the United States. And uh, Donald Trump uh, filled that seat with Justice Amy Coney Barrett. And, and you remember the, the hue and cry that came about because of all that. Well, well they claim, they being the progressive far left of the political world right now, they claimed that uh, this was court packing. So let's make sure we define in their terms what court packing looks like, at least at that time. 
When a justice or a judge dies or resigns and the president nominates and the Senate confirms that person to a new position on the Supreme Court or a court, that is, in their estimation, court packing. Well, if we if we follow their definition, then there's nothing to be done right now. But that's not what they actually mean. What they actually mean is that they need to add new numbers to the Supreme Court of the United States. And if not there, there's actually a bill in Congress right now that would add 200 plus uh, uh, seats on the federal judiciary all over the country. So if you can't pack the court on the top, then they're going to try to pack the court from the bottom up. Uh, because just President Trump was so successful in putting seats on or put people on the federal uh, bench across the country, the left is hopping mad about that. They call that court packing, and now they want uh, their turn to do the very same thing. Except this time, they're not being legitimate about it. So President Biden, by the way, I should have mentioned this in my first set. President Biden has uh, has kind of given a little bit of attention to this by creating something called the Presidential Commission on the Supreme Court of the United States. And this is why we started SupremeCoup.com, by the way, because mm-hmm. he's, he's put this commission together to study court packing and court reform. And pretty quickly, court packing kind of went out of the way, and now they're focused on court reform. They've got crazy ideas like requiring a supermajority of justices before they can invalidate an act of Congress. Well, I mean, this is what we call judicial review, and that's been something since uh, Madison, Madison and Marbury came into effect back in the 1800s, early 1800s. When Jefferson was president, uh, that's mm-hmm. exactly what the court is supposed to do. You don't need a supermajority to do that with. Uh, and so this is the kind of the they want to select, they want to pack the court and then select justices by lottery system. So I guess now we're going to use like the ping pong balls that you see on the, the, the local lottery TV station, you know, to choose justices for sitting arguments. This kind of stuff is loony, and it would be laughable if it weren't such a clear and present danger. So you know, I, I'm going to end with this. I, I want to encourage everybody to go to SupremeCoup.com. AFA has been a great partner in this effort, by the way. I want you guys to go with us, and uh, Tim Wildman and the rest of the crew, in signing our public comment. Uh, this commission has asked for public comment. They want to hear what you think about it. And so we wrote one. And now all we need is your signature on that public comment as well. And if you would like to send a message to this president and his Ivy League commission, that we don't need to change what has worked for 200-plus years, then go to SupremeCoup.com, sign the comment, and ask all your friends to do the same thing. We're going to submit that on September 15. We hope your name is on it. Now, let me ask you this, Jeremy. For those who are listening, they're saying, I'm on board. I want to sign uh, the public comment. And again, the website is SupremeCoup.com, SupremeCoup.com. For those who sign... Who can they expect to read this comment with the signatures that have been uh, added to uh, the list at SupremeCoup.com? Well, my hope is it's hundreds of thousands of people that are going to go to the Federal Register and find that public comment and see your signature. But the reality is where that's going to actually go to, it's going to land on the desk of the 35 commissioners that the President of the United States has chosen to evaluate this issue. Uh, And so they're going to have to sift through that, that, uh, that comment hear what we have written right there, see how many people agree with that comment, and maybe even tell the president, hey, you know, maybe this isn't such a good idea after all. That's our goal, by the way, is just to defend the status quo, to make sure that uh, that nothing really changes, uh, that we don't tinker with the system that has worked for 200-plus years, and frankly, is the judiciary that is the envy of the world. Look, if, if they can create this new court, 
this has been tried before. We just got to go down to the Southern Hemisphere in Venezuela, where the mm-hmm. uh, the Chavez re- regime instituted core packing, and, and mm-hmm. there were there was a survey done of the the next immediate forty thousand decisions that came from that huge body of like thirty different justices down there. Not a single one of those opinions came down against the Maduro or Chavez administrations. So mm. it's pretty clear to see what will happen if you do engage in court packing. Your civil rights go out the door. The women fancy of the political mob is the one that's going to actually win. But our courts are designed to protect. They're supposed to be the last safeguard of our civil rights, not the ones that are uh, made palatable to the latest political winds that blow. Let's keep the, the hands off the Supreme Court, keep politics out of the courtroom, and make sure we have a Supreme Court that represents your interests uh, day in and day out at the, at, under the Constitution of the United States. The point you, you, you've raised about Venezuela should be well taken. If anybody has studied the history of the advancement of socialism there, most people will remember uh, that socialism was introduced in Venezuela democratically. You know, I've said numerous times that just because you put a descriptor in front of the word socialism, you don't automatically redefine the character, nature, tone and tenor of socialism. And then one of the major uh, transition points was after Chavez was elected is exactly what you said, that he instituted this court packing scheme. And so the very thing that many Venezuelans embraced, you know, uh, electorally previously ended up turning into a nightmare in short order. And one major step in that direction was the court packing that occurred uh, in that nation, you know, and it took, you know, one of the wealthiest nations in the world prior to the embracing of socialism and turned it into the place that it has become uh, become now. And so that that is a point that that should be should be well taken. Now, I want to get to give you a few moments and you mentioned it just now, but I want to drill down a, a bit on why it's so significant to protect our judiciary from being overrun in politicization. Well, yeah, look, the reason for that is is that the, the purpose of the Supreme Court are, are, as they have said years and years ago, is to say what the law is. In other words, to say what the Constitution actually is. Uh, and so if we're going to be a, a, a nation of laws and not of men, as another justice famously said, then we've got to respect the rule of law and not the whims of the political populace that may, mm-hmm. that may drive the political dialogue for the moment. Uh, and so I think we can see this most readily because of how divided our country is right now, generally. Right? We've we've got a White House that belongs to, or at least is occupied by a member of the Democratic Party right now. The House and the Senate are controlled by one political party right now. Uh, and yet there, there there is all these kinds of uh, crazy schemes that are put into place that are, are still being pushed by the left. And yet when they are passed, far, thankfully often, the courts will come in and say, wait a minute, you, you, you can't do that. Uh, case in point, recently there was a decision in the Western District of Texas about um, the Remain in Mexico policy. And that mm-hmm. judge, who happened to be nominated and appointed by President Trump, uh, said this, is, this violates the Constitution. And the Supreme Court ultimately agreed with that position as well. Uh, and so the court has stopped sort of this, this encroach by the political parties from going further than the, than the Constitution allows us to do. Uh, if your civil rights are made um, accountable only to the political moment, well, then it, it's going to be subject to the woke mob is what that is mm-hmm. going to entail, right? If you agree with the left, then you're fine. But if you voice any disagreement and refuse to call 
pregnant mothers birthing people, <laughs> then then you're going to be subject to discrimination claims by the left and going to be uh, you're going to lose a, a significant amount, not only of your freedom of speech, but your other civil liberties as well. So w- mm. w- we can't allow a Supreme Court to be one that is uh, sort of this thumbs up, thumbs down based upon the political moment. Uh, rather, we're going to make sure that they uphold the rule of law in our nation. Mm, well said. Now, I know you have to run. In, in the last few minutes that I have, I just want uh, to give you a, an opportunity to share with the listeners. that We get new listeners all the time. If there are any who are listening now that may not be familiar with First Liberty, would you just share briefly, briefly what it is that you do through First Liberty and how you work to protect First Freedoms for all Americans? Yeah, look, we, we work with AFA and other groups around the country and on behalf of clients everywhere to defend and restore religious liberty for all Americans. That's all we do, is defend religious liberty across the country for all Americans. And we defend that principally in four different places. We want to defend religious liberty within our houses of worship, because we're better to be able to express and exercise our faith than in our houses of worship. And if those aren't free, then uh, then are we really truly free and have that promise of religious liberty? I, I don't think so. The last year should be a good reminder of how important it is to have churches and houses of worship deemed to be essential and protected by the law. So we protect religious liberty in our houses of worship. We also protect religious liberty within our schools, because when you go to school, you should be able to reference your faith in the classroom assignments and in the hallways and in the lunchroom and in class discussions without any fear of repercussion on that. And if you're experiencing those kind of pushbacks, call me because you're entitled to be able to talk about your faith and not have to hide it under a bushel, so to speak, when you go to school. So we defend religious liberty in our houses of worship, in our schools, and in our military. We, you, you, you give up a lot when you go into the United States military, but religious freedom ought not to be one of those things that you give up. Uh, and so when you serve and put on the uniform, you ought to retain your religious liberty there as well. And finally, we want to make sure that wherever you go in the public square, if you're operating a place of business or, or wherever that takes you in the public square, you ought to have a free exercise of religion uh, fully ensconced behind you. Uh, and so you can learn a lot more about us at firstliberty.org, but I, I'll just close by reminding us that all these freedoms that we possess are great, but they really mean nothing if we have no safeguard behind us in the federal courts. That's why we created supremecoup.com and why I hope you'll sign on to that public comment in the coming days. Jeremy Dice, ladies and gentlemen, Special Counsel for Litigation and Communications for First Liberty. Their website is firstliberty.org, just the way it sounds. And please go to supremecoup.com. I am going to go there as soon as we end the program today to add my name to the list of those making public comment to make sure the Supreme Court remains just as it is. Supremecoup.com is a website for that. And FirstLiberty.org is the website where you're going to want to go to find out everything about First Liberty. We've got one more segment to go. The clock is still disrespectful, but you definitely want to remain close because we're going to continue our discussion from yesterday about your process in pursuing a religious accommodation to allow you to be exempted from employer shot mandates. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into 
one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Missions and church planting. This is David Wheaton, host of The Christian Worldview. With all the transformative events taking place, the issue of missions and church planting may seem a bit irrelevant until we recall the parting words of Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. This is a command from the Son of God, one that is much more important than the geopolitical news flashing across our screens. The world is not going to be saved, but God is still saving souls. Let's be about the King's mission. Hear the contrast between biblical and unbiblical missions at thechristianworldview.org and then tune in this weekend for another topic that will sharpen your worldview. Listen to The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton, Saturday mornings at 8 Central on American Family Radio. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, My goal as a teacher is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. The University of Tennessee, Knoxville is hosting a series of meetings for white people to examine the crime of their skin color. The classes are part of the Master's in Social Work program at the university. The university says minority students should be provided a safe and supportive place, hence the segregation. According to emails obtained by Young America's Foundation, the White Accountability Group dealt with white skin privilege, holding Caucasian students accountable for engaging in whiteness. The Minority Affinity Group affirmed that people of color can be magical in a predominantly white university. In one role-play scenario, students actually discussed whether it was okay to call a pro-Trump classmate a racist. Well, this is what critical race theory looks like. The notion white students should be ashamed of the color of their skin. We're all created in God's image, but the University of Tennessee Knoxville seems to think God made a mistake. I'm Todd Stearns. Quarter podcast and one minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio. I'm so grateful uh, that Jeremy Dice was able to join us and actually um, in pointing you to FirstLiberty.org, uh, pursuant to our conversation yesterday on the program about uh, resources that are available. Uh, to pursue religious accommodations uh, that would allow you to be exempted from employer-mandated COVID shots. Um, First Liberty actually has a religious accommodation toolkit uh, that's available to you right there on their website. It's called Religious Liberty uh, Protection Kit 
know your rights on vaccine mandates. So if you go to firstliberty.org, it'll be right on their homepage. If you're writing this down, you can write down the full URL, which is firstliberty.org slash vaccine dash protection dash kit slash. So that is where you can find additional information that will include actually sample forms. So if you've been you were listening to the program yesterday, you're like, man, I want to get my uh, religious accommodation request presented. You heard me say yesterday it needs to be filed in writing. You need to make sure that you keep a copy for yourself for your own records. You need to make sure that uh, that your employer uh, signs their their acknowledgement of receipt of your written submission of an accommodation request, religious accommodation request that includes the date and the time that they've received it. Uh, so that will enable you to, to go forward should you need to press that situation forward. Now, remember, when we we're talking about this, we're talking exclusively about religious accommodation requests, not additional concerns that are health based pro- exclusively or that, that are research based. We're talking about religious beliefs. We talked yesterday about uh, some, this is not the exclusive source, but some uh, may find it necessary to assert a religious accommodation request uh, as an objection to receiving uh, the COVID shots because uh, one, the Johnson and Johnson uh, uh, shot was manufactured through the use of aborted fetal lines. Okay. Fetal tissue cells, from aborted babies was utilized to manufacture the Johnson and Johnson shots. Moderna and Pfizer did not use aborted fetal lines to manufacture their shots. However, they did use aborted fetal lines to test the efficacy of their version of the COVID shot. So regardless if it's manufactured or used to test efficacy, there's some people who would have a religious objection to utilizing anything that was derived that way. I explained before, there are other vaccinations and, and, and medications that have used those lines as well. So if an objection or, 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 or protest is, is made against your religious accommodation request because of that, uh, many people didn't even know that, you know, didn't know. So you're not automatically headed off at the pass because you're asserting this objection now and you might have done things in the past, uh, but you didn't know it. Uh, The employer's role is not to evaluate the validity of your religious objection. The only legal question is whether or not it is a sincerely held religious belief. So, again, religious accommodation requests must be religious. There's another body of law that would apply potentially to requests for accommodation based on health. The the Americans with Disabilities Act has some laws that may be of service to you there. But I wanted to get to some additional information that I wasn't able to get to yesterday because I wanted to talk a little bit about the importance and the the availability um, of protections for religious objections to the shots that are not limited in federal law. I said yesterday that um, Title seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibits discrimination by employers, that is private employers and government employers on the basis of religion. Title seven of the Federal Act of 1964 applies to employers uh, that have 15 or more employees. I mentioned uh, yesterday states, however, 
may have a state version or a mini Title VII that would apply to employers, both private and governmental, that have less than 15 employees. And so you definitely want to seek that out. Another source of legal protections uh, would flow from the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act. RIFRA is how it's described colloquially. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the federal law, which was signed into law by Bill Clinton, by the way, uh, protects American citizens from discrimination on the basis of religion. Just, excuse me, just as that there is a federal law, most states in the country also have statutory uh, exemptions like RIFRA. The vast majority, in fact, of states have statutes that specifically grant religious exemptions from mandatory school vaccination programs. I'm mentioning that because among the questions I received, I got lots of inquiries from parents who have children in schools and even parents of children with that are going to college. Uh, many of them are going to public schools, even some private schools. Now, I will tell you that you have a greater, greater opportunity to assert a religious accommodation request uh, through government schools because of the First Amendment. Then you do it even in some private schools. But even most private schools in the country will have religious accommodation requests if you simply at religious accommodation forms, if you simply ask for them. So I am saying if you are interested in this, you want to pursue this, you need to make that request. Now, getting back to what I said, the vast majority of states have statutes that specifically grant religious exemptions from mandatory school vaccination programs. For that reason, you should always check the statutes in your state in which the potentially objecting student is attending school to determine whether or not the state provides statutory religious exemption protections. Now, as I said yesterday, I am just sharing information. I'm not offering anybody individualized uh, legal advice because I don't know what your situation is. In order to get legal advice, uh, you would have to have an attorney that knows your particular circumstance, your municipality, your locale, this, the laws in your state, your particular specific objection, religious objection that you want to raise as a basis to pursue religious accommodation. But I'm sharing this to kind of give you a, some some basic information that could help point you in the right direction now in addition to to this there are a couple other categories where man this clock is actually disrespectful come on abraham hurry up a couple other categories i wanted to get to and i want to make sure that we get to um give me a second give me a second give me a second mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. got that i wanted to address the military OK, the reality is the Department of, De of Defense may issue or has in some instances issued orders requiring service members to get COVID shots. All right. Service members, however, still have the right to challenge unlawful orders. All right. Uh, the Nuremberg laws give us uh, a legal source for that and other laws. Whether an order to receive the COVID shot is lawful remains an open question, though. All right. It remains an open question. I anticipate that this will ultimately be litigated uh, through some form of, of court martial at some point. Now, let's, let me say something. I am not a military law expert. All right. I'm just sharing information based on a little bit of research, not a little bit, a lot, frankly, of research I've done. Uh, but again, you would have to get counsel uh, specifically concerning your circumstance. But instead of pursuing the court martial route a better option 
may be to simply request a religious com- accommodation under, and if you're listening, you may want to get a pin out, under DODI 1300.17. I'll do that again. Under DODI 1300.17. Under that provision, any military service member has the right to request a religious accommodation from any regulation, any policy, any directive, any order, etc. A religious accommodation does not challenge the lawfulness of an order, but it seeks to render the order inapplicable to the requester under certain circumstances. There is no requirement that a religious accommodation request include proof of the sincerity of the religious belief. All that is necessary is that a service member have a sincerely held religious belief that is substantially burdened by the order or directive at issue. So I wanted to make sure I got to that point in the conversation because, again, you do. As Jeremy said in the previous segment, as a military service member, there are lots of things you do give up. But one of the things that you do not give up is your right to religious freedom. So I wanted to share that. FirstLiberty.org has its vaccine religious liberty protection kit. You can get sample forms for filing your written religious accommodation request. Uh, Many of you may want to go there now. And if you have questions, there are a lot of resources available. First Liberty is a great resource um, if you have a particular situation that requires additional attention. All right. The last few minutes, man, this clock is disrespect of the fool. Um, I wanted to share this. I had this for you yesterday, but I didn't have time to get to it. Man, in light of the Supreme Court, really, it's a it's it's it wasn't even an affirmative decision. <laughs> Texas passed a law, Senate Bill 8. This is this is amazing how this unfolded. Senate Bill 8 that prohibits uh, abortions after a, a child's heartbeat is detected. That's usually about six weeks. All right. In it, they have no enforcement provision for the government to enforce that law. It created a private right of action for citizens to enforce the law by filing a lawsuit against anyone that performed or aided in the performance of an illegal abortion. That would be the termination of the life of a child after a heartbeat was detected. All right. The, the, the floor threshold amount of potential damages that could be afforded is 10 grand, uh, but they did not provide a cap. It did not provide a cap. Now, to be, and, and I know why they're, they're going berserk because Planned Parenthood even admitted that because, and they said this before the law went into effect, they argued that should that law go into effect, that 85 to 90% of its ab- the abortions that they performed in the state of Texas would be eliminated overnight. Guys, that is four, about 4,000 babies' lives who've been saved by this law per day. You understand what I'm telling you? 4,000 babies per day. That is, that, that, that is, that is a staggering, that's staggering to consider. But that is what Planned Parenthood has stated. Now, having said that, you have regressives all over the country that are losing their minds. And I'm going to make sure I need to check to make sure I got my stats right. So I know it's 4,000, but I want to make sure I have the, the metric um, per day or per. Uh, but th- that, that is a staggering thing to consider. But you have regressives the world over, the country over, not the world, that are losing their minds in light of this. I mean, th- this is 
Okay, let me get to it. Let me get to it. Okay, I'm coming. They're, they're, they're losing their minds. Um, here we go. Month, not per day. I knew I was off. It's 4,000 babies' lives per month that will be saved by this law. Not per day. I apologize for that. 4,000 babies per month that will be saved by the law. Well, since the law has passed, they've gone berserk. I mean, AOC has come out and saying that they've overturned Roe versus Wade. No, they haven't. And I wouldn't be complaining if it did, but that's just not the case. I want you to listen to this piece of audio from from uh, Chris Hayes is his program on MSNBC. I mean, these these they've gone berserk. They've gone berserk. Listen to this. Clip one. Go. The conservative Supreme Court is like, who's going to check me, boo? Like, <laughs> we look, we can talk to the day is long about the craven hypocrisy of Republicans. But at the end of the day, the Republicans promised to do this. John yes, Roberts yes, promised yes, to do this. Yes. The, 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 the Donald Trump promised to only nominate anti-abortion judges. Josh Hawley promised to only vote for anti- They promised to do this. Where are the Democrats? Where are the Democrats stopping them? Because this was not a surprise. The particular case, the peculiarities, sure, that's a little weird. But where they were going, the destruction of a woman's right to choose has always been the goal. You want something the Democrats can do? I will tell you what the Democrats can do. Joe Biden tonight can issue an executive order establishing a privacy commission, federal officials to go down to Texas under armed guard, if necessary, to provide and protect constitutional rights that have been stripped away by Texas. That quirk of the Texas law that like, oh, only private citizens can enforce it by suing. Well, guess what? Federal officials, qualified immunity. Ah, didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah. Federal officials would be under qualified immunity and thus protected from this very law if Joe Biden would but act. And if people at home are thinking like, oh, that sounds too extreme. Well, you can always expand the court. That's there, too. Oh, but Joe Manchin is too powerful. Look, I do not care anymore what the excuses are. Inaction is not an option. Failure is not an option. Joe Biden took an oath to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and Texan. And it's time that he does it. Now, tonight, today, this weekend, now. As I told you, these people have gone berserk. And didn't Jeremy just tell you that they wanted to pack the court? Seems like when you cut them off from being able to get their blood money, everything goes crazy. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.